Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Define University podcast, a space designed for educators to ignite your passion, transform your mindset, and learn to love who you are in the process. My name is Lindsay Titus, and I am here to share simple yet strategic steps each week with you to build your momentum into creating a life full of purpose and passion. The time is now. Let's dive on in to today's episode. Welcome back, everyone, to another new episode of the Define University podcast. And of course, some of my favorite episodes are where educators get to share their story. And that is what we have for you today. I am so excited to introduce you to Jillian Bois, And I cannot wait for you to hear her story and for this amazing conversation that I know is going to happen here on the Define You podcast. So Jillian, welcome and thank you for coming on today. Hi, Lindsay. Thank you so much for having me. I'm um, super excited to be here. Um, I currently serve as an elementary educator educator in Clearwater, Florida. I have little second graders. They are my little joys. And I've worked in both public and private educational settings for over two decades now. Um, I really... I just love my kids. I love my classroom. I try and just make it like my second home. I always tell my kids they are my family. And I have this nice little warm little environment course without all the fun stuff now that we had to take everything out because of some um, restrictions with COVID. But it's still, um, I realized that those things that fill my room don't um, really construct my room and make it what it is. So we uh, journey along together in joy, and I thrive on building those authentic relationships with my students. And this year, we've really learned a lot about guiding our curiosity and wonder together. We're using a ton of ed tech tools to strengthen differentiation, and I'm using more of my voice with my partner, my teacher partner in second grade as well, and to foster hope for these students that uh, really need equity and empathy. So my passion basically is to instill and infuse joy to all of those people around me, mostly those in the educational leadership area through um, blogs and podcasts and writing that I've been doing. Um, I love to focus efforts on really just learning and stretching and growing alongside colleagues. Um, I have a great um, PLN that I, I lean into often for support and encouragement. Um, outside of all of that, I love spending time with my family. Um, anything I can do outdoors, anything. Soaking up the sun at the beach, finding new paths to hike with my husband and my son, uh, visiting a craft breweries. <laughs> so we just like to have fun. We have new adventures all the time. So that's pretty much my life. I, I love your life. <laughs> I, I love that so much. And what I think is so cool, and I think, you know, we, you know, mentioned a bunch of things relating to kind of technology, right? Your, your PLN through Twitter or your ed tech tools. And that's ultimately how we connected, which I think is the coolest thing. Like to me, I'm a huge believer in the silver linings. I'm a huge believer in let's look for the meaning. Let's look for the things that that were in our favor. And, you know, when I look at quarantine, when I look at being home for six, seven months, you know, to me, the connections and the relationships I made with other educators, like, 
I'm, I'm so grateful and appreciative because it wouldn't have happened or maybe it would have, but not in this way and not in this capacity. And, you know, I still remember Ray Hewitt reaching out saying, you two need to connect. And, you know, I think it was like one post later, I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, please. Um, because we, well, I think what's awesome is we align on so many things, but you say things in a way where I'm like, oh, I never, I didn't think of it that way. Or, oh, that's another amazing way to say it. And I think the more educators we can have expressing that there are periods of joy, there are, you know, sharing your story and your authenticity. And I love that you said you found your voice because I too recently through the last year or so have found like, I really feel like I know who I am. And my, my mission growing up as an educator was always to help my students find their voice, to have my students be heard. And I always felt like I was missing something. And it wasn't until I realized, well, Lindsay, you, you don't have a voice. Like, you don't believe in your voice. And so if I'm not believing in my voice, how can I, how can I 100% expect my students to own their voice? And so when I started sharing my voice through, through the podcast, through blogs, through connections, through different ways... I found that I was then able to connect further with students and really allow them to have their voice heard. And so I just think it's so cool how, you know, a tool of social media can help someone share their voice, can help connections and can, you know, make it so easy that I'm in New York, you're in Florida and we can connect. And I've been able to connect with people all over the world, which is just amazing. And so you know, that's a little bit about my mission, but I would love to hear, you know, what is your mission as an educator? What kind of like lights you up and keeps you going in that, in that mission oriented, you know, lens of the world? Yeah, thanks, Lindsay. I think that um, I love what you just said, because it's funny, this whole connections that we have through Twitter or through educational and groups and chats and things like that. I'm, and it's, if you're not in it, or if you have no idea what that even sounds like or feels like, it's so hard to describe um, to somebody who looks at you like, what are you talking about? You've got thousands of friends on Twitter that you connect with every week. <laughs> like, no, you don't understand. <laughs> like there is something uniquely, divinely providential <laughs> about the way that educators um, really connect with one another. It may be the only profession that really truly even does that because we all are so like-minded and have such a general um, passion and mission um, kind of overall. But I think for me, as, as far as my mission is truly just building relationships with my students. Um, and that is just completely foundational. It's not optional in my, in my practice. They are my key to influence students just to grasp their own confidence and their, really their holistic sense of worth. Um, so many kids um, are just dying inside. Um, we don't know what they're going through. We don't know their struggles. We don't know their pains. We don't know what they come to school with each day. Um, some may share, some may share little bits and pieces, but um, I just want each student to feel like, this is kind of like my little mission statement, I want each student to feel like he or she is my favorite student. I don't want anybody to feel left out. Um, I, I really want them to know that this is something that's important to me. And this actually has been probably the year that I have felt like this can't be ignored. 
And if my students come away with anything this year, because I know there are going to be some huge gaps in academics, um, I just want it to be that I am that teacher that cares for them and I'm in their corner. Um, I have one student that came to me yesterday and he said to me, he said, Mrs. Boyce, he goes, are you disappointed in me? And I said, oh my goodness, why in the world would I be disappointed in you? And he said, because I, I didn't talk to you today. You asked me if I wanted to talk about something. And I said, no, I'm fine. I don't want to. And I ran off and went out to play. And I said, I said, buddy, I said, I, you talk to me whenever you want to talk to me. I said, I'm just here to listen. I'm not going to get upset with you for not sharing things with me. I said, I'm just here. I'm just like an adult that you can trust and that you can put your faith in. And I'm here for you. So he went, oh, okay. And off he went, you know, that's a little seven, eight year old mind. They don't, they don't go too much deeper than that. But just those little confirmations to them that, you know, I'm not going to get upset with you. I'm, I'm in your corner. I'm on your side. And that this year, I think they need that because lots of things are going on at home and, you know, and COVID is still in the back of their minds and racial tensions and political tensions at home. And so I want it to be that safe, nurturing environment where they just feel completely at ease. And so far, so good, actually. <laughs> I love it. Oh, my gosh. So many takeaways. So I am, I think, I think most people know this about me. I mean, define is in my, is in my business name. But I love words. I love phrases. I love quotes. You know, anything to do with that, that style. And hearing, you know, foundational, not optional. Like I'm like, yes, catchphrase of, <laughs> catchphrase of the year, but catchphrase in general, because you're so right. And I connected it to, you know, I often say relationships are not, are not tasks on our to-do list, but they're things we need to work on every single day. And to me, there's a distinction, right? So the things on my to-do list are one and done. I need to, review this behavior plan. Yes, I did it. I need to send this email. Yes, I did it. But relationships, that is what we get to choose to work on every single day. But they, in my mind, they are never something to say, I did that today. I, I, I did that relationship today, right? It just doesn't make sense. But I think sometimes we get in this mindset of we, you know, I have, we get in the have tos. Well, I have to, this person told me to, to create a relationship, get a, you know, get a connection. I'm like, it doesn't get, it's, it's easy, but not that easy, right? We, it takes that, it takes that work. And I love that not optional part. It's so important. We have to be intentional about it in order to have that reaction and that connection that you're looking for with that student. So I just think that's so important to hear that the reason it keeps coming up, the reason that so many lists of strategies have relationships first, because they truly do, they are something you're going to be working on the first day of school. And they, in my mind, there's something we're going to be working on that last day of school as well. They don't end. And I think when I started realizing the expansiveness that relationships get to be, and then it doesn't, it's not that there's no start and end time. It's, it's when it began, when you meet the person, but then it's ongoing. You know, I've, I've shared before, I'm, I've known my husband 15 years. We're still strengthening our relationship. We're still built. I'm still learning more about him every day. I would never say our relationship is done. So I think it's the same thing with our students. And I just love that, that phrase. And I, and I agree with you. The other thing I took away is kids want to hear that I see you and I hear you. They, they you know, have that need of from the adult matter their age. 
you know, I, I taught kindergarten. They still needed me to say, I see you. I hear you. You know, I care for you. I, I'm hopeful for you. I'm, you know, I find joy with you. And the more that we can share those small snippets, I think it's just so important. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, it's, and it, it doesn't have to be, you know, it's not a one and done thing either. You know, it's like you try and touch on all of your children and all of your students um, in different ways. And you know that there are going to be those that really, really desire to have that relationship with you. And it may be just like 25% of them that really kind of gravitate towards your, your personality, towards your teaching style. And it's so funny um, because those are the ones that, you know, the ones that come back year after year and still give you hugs and still bring you brownies. And, you know, because it just, you listened, like you said, you hear them and you see them. And it's not just a, I'm not just your teacher, you know, I'm a family member. And I always let my parents know that too. I'm like, as we're in this, we're a team, we're working together this year. Thank you for allowing me to partner with you in this year, which is so critical for your kids. So, um, and it's neat because then parents understand, oh, they really do care about my kids. It's not just uh, this, this, and this. You're not just teaching them reading, writing, and, you know, like today we did a little bit of a um, exercise. We were reading in our um, our basal literature reading, and we had a little mini side lesson, of course, because something didn't go right, so I had to, like, quick be spontaneous, 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 <laughs> spontaneous. <laughs> and I took a thought, we need to talk about trust, so I called one of my students up, and we I said, all right, I said, just stand right here in front of me. I said, and I want you just to hold your arms out and you trust me, right? She goes, yeah. I'm like, and you believe that I would do anything I could to protect you, right? She said, yeah. I said, all right, so stand here and just fall back and I'm going to catch you. And all the other kids went, what? I know what that is. That's a trust fall. She's going to catch you. She's going to catch you. Don't you worry. And I love that they all chimed in and went, oh, she's going to catch you. She said, don't worry about it. All encouraged her. And sure enough, she did. She fell back to me. I caught her. And she, her face got bright red. And she said, she looked up at, up at me and she said, I've never done that before. And I said, you've never, like, trusted anyone before? Or you've never done a trust fall before? She goes, I've never done a trust fall before. She goes, I was really scared. But when I realized that you were there to catch me, like, that was really cool. And so that was such a great teachable moment. So, again, it's just the little tiny things that, you know, one little one student, but yet the whole class saw it and understood the purpose behind it. And we could, you know, keep building on that even, I mean, as we keep going throughout the year. Remember that day when we did the trust ball? You guys trust me. I trust you. And that was one of the questions I had asked her. I said, why do you trust me? And she goes, because you trust me. And I went, oh, I went, yeah, I have never heard that answer before. So, you know, kids are kids, but it's just those, that non-negotiable foundational, that trust even, just building that little by little. Yeah, and I think you nailed it by saying, you know, that, that mini lesson, right? That spontaneous five minutes, however long it took, 
that is going to now be so, that's going to be your anchor for future activities, right? When a conflict happens between two, two friends and, and you're using that. And I just think you made it experiential for them, right? You took what, you know, maybe you're reading about like characters not trusting each other and now you've made it real and now it's applicable. And I think the more we can do that to students, the more they can experience it and have something to actually anchor into and understand that, you're going to see them utilize the knowledge a whole lot more. And, you know, one of the things I constantly am working with teams on is, okay, this is the content. Now, they're consuming it. How do we get them to create meaning from it? What is it that they can do to show us? And is there more than one way that they can show us? And in my, my opinion, is always yes. <laughs> you know, there's never just one way. But it's also, you know, we might have you know, students that can show us in different ways and being open to that. And I just think that's really important because you have, you have a classroom community, but you also have a classroom of individuals. And I think one thing that I always think back to when it comes to relationships is one of the things I hear when we talk about building relationships is I don't know that I have that much energy, you know, I'll have staff. I don't know that I can do that to all 20 of my kids. And I said, but here's the question, do all 20 of your students need the same amount of you know energy or relationship connection from you and nine times out of ten the answer is no because some kids do have it at home so the relationship is very much i'm your teacher you're my student i love you you love me like we're good then you have the other students that need a whole lot more so i think again we get in this mindset of i have to give all of me to everyone all the time and we know that's what leads to burnout defeat overwhelm and so instead it's what does each, what level of a relationship does each student need? And kind of like you said, what are they ready for? What are they ready to let in? Because some are going to shut you out the whole year, but maybe on that last day of school are like, thank you for everything you did for me this year. And you're like, whoa, where did that come from? Right? Like, <laughs> like <laughs> because you kept showing up. And I just think it's so important um, that we, we just keep doing it. We don't always know the outcome. We can't control that outcome, but we can control what it is we do each day. Um, one other thing that I, I love and I want to share, because I think it relates to what you were saying with the parent connection. So I'm an educator, of course, you know, my daughter's in first grade. And, you know, I, I, I let my teachers know what I do for a living, you know, because I ask them questions and they ask me and I love anytime I email, uh, and it happened last year and this year, anytime I email the team, the teacher for any sort of thing, the last line in all of their emails is, Thank you for sharing Kaylee with me this year. And as a parent, I don't care what else you write in that email. Like it doesn't matter for you to, and they say it on the phone, they say it at conferences. And to me as a parent, that is all I need to hear is that you seek to me, the word share is so powerful because you see this as a partnership. You see that we're doing things at home and I see that and it's, and it really relates back to trust right? I trust what you're doing at school as a teacher and, and then you trust what I'm doing as a parent and together we can work alongside each other. And I just think it, it's an amazing, amazing thing that can happen when you have that partnership. Yeah, it definitely is. You're, you're more to them. I want to be more to them than just a teacher, you know, to the parents. I want to be, you know, I do want to be friends with them. I do want to show them that I am a human. I'm vulnerable. Hey, I'll let you know what's going on. When I send out my emails, I'll be like, hey, you know what? It's been, you know, I've had kind of a rough week too. So I totally get that, you know, we're all kind of in the same boat. So, you know, just kind of getting on that same even level with them, knowing that we do have some commonalities. Mm -hmm. 
and letting them know I'm, I'm nowhere <laughs> near, you know, don't put me on any kind of pedestal. I'm just here, you know, doing the best that I can, just like you're doing the best that you can. So yeah, I enjoy that. That's one of my favorite parts is getting to know the family. Yes. Well, you might not put yourself on a pedestal, but I put you on a pedestal. You, <laughs> you do the amazing work. I love it. Um, one of the things I love to, to, to get to know, just because I think everybody's story is so unique in this, is that if there was a, a thing or a person that kind of inspired you to go into teaching. So I think everybody kind of has their story as to what kind of led them down their path of, of how they got into this field. And I would love to hear your story about that. Wow. Let's see. So I have to go way, way, way back. Very long time ago. <laughs> and I would say my inspiration came from my fourth grade teacher. There's always that one teacher that you remember and that you just still even kind of like dream about and know that that was that one person who was in your corner and gave you, you know, was your cheerleader. And that was Mrs. Hanko for me. She was all about I tell you, she was all about innovation and inclusion before it was even, those were even words used in school. She was more about student process than content knowledge. So for me, even as a fourth grader to now, I mean, still all those years, um, you know, know that and put that away, tuck that away in my heart, my mind. Um, that was huge. Um, we, she had flex, I will never forget, she had flexible seating. We were in a pod and she had a bathtub, a claw-footed bathtub in the classroom and it was lined with pillows. She had two big electrical, like, you know, they're like spools that they wrap wire around. They're old um, wooden spools. She had her husband cut like a little door out of them, a little entryway, and we could crawl in those little schools and we could sit there and read. I mean, so that was like flexible seating before, again, before there was even flexible seating. And this was in the seventies, honestly. So she had choice boards. She, you know, she was just that energetic, awesome partner teacher that just wanted you just to grasp learning and run with it, allowing all of us to expand our curiosity, to start thinking critical and I still visualize her class today. I mean, I could tell you exactly where I sat, where my best friend sat. Um, so, and use it. I really, actually, that's what got me. I mean, I'm all over flexible seating. I love that. That's a huge part of what we do. Um, and I model, I modeled my first classroom right after her classroom. I didn't have a bathtub, but I tried to make the best of it with a beanbag chair. Um, you know, I didn't make the transition to teaching until later in my career. Um, I didn't have really the confidence myself to, to teach. I'm like, that is a big responsibility. Holy cow. I don't know. That's a lot of accountability. That really held me back. So my own self-doubt um, kept me from really pursuing what I knew I think I always wanted to do. So it wasn't really until I started volunteering in my son's kindergarten class and realizing, oh my gosh, this is the piece I'm missing. This is what I want to do. I, I want to, I want to teach. I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to miss out. I started, I remember I worked my first job was in the school. I volunteered in this classroom. Then I worked in the cafeteria. Then I worked my way into the office. Then I got a job as a para. 
um, working with um, varying exceptionality students, which I loved because inclusion was my, my jam. <laughs> it still is. Um, I wanted to make a difference. Uh, I was fortunate to have so many wonderful mentor teachers in those positions that gave me tons of valuable um, uh, tools to help all different types of learners. So that was important to me because I had my own son who needed extra support and I was really able to grasp how to advocate for him through his school years. So, I mean, everything just kind of started falling into place. Of course, you know, I'm a believer that nothing happens without purpose. So all of those little things just came at the right time and for the right purpose. So. I love it. I, and I, again, just cause I'm pretty sure we like twin on so many things. Um, but, um, I too, so my, mine was my second grade teacher. Um, that was the year I moved from Canada to New York and she, I felt so out of place because I didn't, I didn't sound like the other kids. I had a super strong Canadian accent. Um, and I didn't know any different, right. Until I started talking and kids were like, what do you, what? I, I can't understand you. And, or why do you say a, at the end of your sentence, like all these questions. And so I just stopped talking. Like I was like, well, I'm just going to be quiet. I learned early on and my, uh, my teacher, Miss Egan, she, she opened up and, and let me be quiet, but still let me be heard. And she had this magical way of, you know, I remember I didn't talk a lot in class, but I got so much out of it. And, and two, we were in a pod. I remember, I can, I remember exactly how you had to walk to get there and, you know, what it looked like when you walked in the classroom. I too, I can envision it completely. There's not many other classrooms. I could tell you that I was in K-12, what they look like, but that room stands out to me. And, and it wasn't for anything crazy other than I think she made it feel so safe, so warm, so compassion, you know, com like compassionate. And I think we, we don't, we often lose sight and we think, you know, we can be so focused on the, the academics and the content and what we've said it before, you know, a lot of our students aren't going to remember that, but they're going to remember how we made them feel. And I just think that's so important. And it's something I'm going to keep, you know, sharing until I'm blue in the face, because here we have two examples of that. And, you know, we didn't share, well, I learned, you know, what happened, you know, on this date, or I learned how to do multiplication, but we learned what it felt like to be in a safe and trusting environment. And so many of our students aren't getting that outside of school. So if we can create that, within the, the academics, the, the content follows, like it happens. We've got to have that, that community first. And, and I just think that's so important. Um, as we go forward. And I know something else we share in common <laughs> is the word joy and inspiring joy and bringing joy to everyone and everything we do in our lives. And so I, I got to ask, what brings you joy as an educator? And, and you know, it's funny when you say joy, it's like, that is, I mean, that is what I'm all about. That's my heart. That's my passion. But it's not that like, I don't want to say it's not that fake, you know, oh, everything's, you know, perfect and happy-go-lucky. And it's not that kind of joy, you know, it's really that, I want to say it's that energy. And it's that just down in your soul that you know that, yes, we have those days when things are awful. We have those things when um, we are anxious and we are worried and fearful. And that happens just as much as anybody else. But 
there is something, there is that hope and there is that joy that is deep down in there that no matter what happens, nothing's going to take that away. So when I think about joy as an educator, you know, I think about the fact that I see each one of my students as someone. Everyone is someone. Um, you're not just a student. You're not just a foster child. You're not just, you know, this person or this person. You are, you are someone. You are unique. You are created uniquely and nobody else is like you. Um, and we have such an opportunity to validate each student's worth and value. And as a teacher, and I know that not all teachers have the time or energy or, you know, we're not all created equal. So we're all going to do that with different strategies and in different ways. But that, to me, brings me joy to let my students know that they are somebody. And this has been a year that I've really increased my awareness for the empathy piece and truly learned to lean into my students, their needs and their differences, because before it was more like, yes, I love you. Oh, give me a hug. And now it's like, when I know what they're going through, because we've built that trust, we've built that relationship, I can kind of just over to the side go, hey, you know, how did things go today? You know, how did things go last night? And just the fact that I'm asking them or following up with them on a specific question or issue that I know they came to me with, you know, it's almost like being a, a mental health counselor. <laughs> I always say I'm not just a teacher. I'm, I, you know, a counselor. I'm an advocator. I'm a, a mediator. I'm a stand-up comedian. I, you know, I mean, all of these things um, kind of tied into one. But, you know, that shy, nervous, quiet, apprehensive student could be your biggest blessing. And we just have to notice them. We have to treat them like someone. There are those students that need our time, our presence, our advocacy, just to build their courage and their confidence in the world. Well, and I've learned to allow them voice and choice. You know, that's kind of the buzzwords. I know everyone says that right now, but there's something really deliberate about laying aside the control that you think you need to have in the classroom, um, laying aside those 20, 30 minute <laughs> lessons that you think you need to plan out perfectly and they have to be, you know, well orated and the kids have to get it and they've got to self assess every single piece of it. That's, that's, I got, I had to get away from that. I laid that control away, laid that down and started letting my students really build that trust together and work towards having their own voice and guiding their own learning um, and their processes as they're learning. And it has blown me away. So our lessons that used to be 20, 30 minutes, you know, because I was that teacher who was very content driven and my first several years, but going, you know, when you transform and you change and you evolve, you things change and you gain some wisdom and some insight. So now letting, you know, a 10 minute lesson um, maybe I talk five or 10 minutes and then they talk. Um, so we spend a lot of time not even talking about the answers to questions that I may ask, but how we got there. How did you do that? What was your thinking behind that? And we have some hand motions, right? Some hand signals. So they will even, I've taught them five different hand signals and 
there was a really cool YouTube video out there. I can, I can send it to you, but it's um, where they don't even say anything to each other, but they have these hand motions that say, oh, I need to build on this. I want to build on what he said. And they'll show me that hand motion. I'm like, oh, I see. You want to build on so-and-so. What would you like to say? You know, and those discussions, like, may go on 30, 40 minutes. But it's them, not me. Um, so it really is so cool when they start talking and adding onto each other's discussions about their paths of thinking. So they're teaching me just as much as I'm teaching them each day. And, yeah, that's that brings me incredible joy. Holy moly. So much amazingness in, in that answer. I, I like so many things that I want to like unpack, but I think that the biggest thing, I mean, probably no surprise, but the biggest thing that I, I heard you say is, is really being able to walk away from the shoulds. Right. And so one of my catchphrases is get out of shouldville and, and being able to, highlight what students are doing, what they can do, what they can do right now with what they have, instead of putting this spotlight on what they should be doing. And I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, I'm gonna make an assumption, but I'm gonna ask you because once you kind of took that step back and you said, okay, I'm gonna open things up, I'm gonna start the discussion, and now I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you guys the power and control to continue this conversation, did you, I'm, I'm making the assumption that you saw engagement go up. Oh, hugely, <laughs> hugely. And, you know, it was funny that whole, the way that transformation even that evolved, you know, evolving as a teacher happened was I took a break. I took a four year uh, hiatus, actually, because I was, I was burned out. I had been so content driven and anxious because I felt like, you know, I could never get through a textbook in a whole year. It drove me crazy. I was, you know, OCD about making sure I was perfect. And um, I stayed home for four years to homeschool my son. And watching him and understanding that basically we were kind of undoing all of that <laughs> content and undoing all of that, this is how we do school. And watching him learn how to hey, well, you know what, this is what I'm passionate about. Can I just start looking into this and researching this? Sure, go ahead, do it your own way. And that, that clicked, that changed. So in those four years, I was able to just totally be a different teacher and understand that when I was going to walk back into the classroom four years later, and that was five years ago, that I was done. I was not going to be that same content driven, you know, teacher. I was going to be all about process and all about we're going to, you're going to do, you know, you're going to learn your own path and drive your own learning. So that's kind of how that happened. I love it. And I, and I, you know, your students, they're so fortunate for that because that is, I think, a skill that's not always and it's always taught. And, and I'm, and I am actually selfishly, I'm living proof of that. So I, I did really well in school. I, I got very good grades. I, you know, graduated top percent of my class. I couldn't make a decision to save my life because I was that student in class that waited, you know, when the teacher said, okay, go ahead and start number one or, you know, write your ideas down. I, I could stay busy. I'd start looking through my stuff and I'd start twiddling my fingers and doing things because I didn't know how to get started. So I waited until that example came up on the board. And I was like, oh, now I get it. Okay, here we go. Or I'd wait for the teacher to then start giving some examples. I'm like, oh, now I know what to write about. I got it. 
because I couldn't, I could not make a decision to save my life. And in college, I struggled with that. So you're, here you go. And I was like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to ask questions. I don't know how to, you know, build on something that, that I agree or disagree with. Like I had to learn that as an adult. And so I think the earlier we can start these practices, it's just going to change, you know, it's the ripple effect in action because now we're going to see it. It's going to strengthen and it, and it gives me so much hope for, for our younger, the younger generation as they're going through, you know, I, I listen to my daughter and she's, she's saying things like I'm building my stamina and I'm using my growth mindset and she's, she's doing it. It's not just words she's saying. She said, yesterday I read to page eight and today I made it to page 16. Um, I doubled my stamina and I was like, you're in first grade, like, holy smokes. But I was like, and how does that make you feel? She says, I'm so proud. And she talks about yesterday, I couldn't do it. And today I did it. And I didn't give up. And I tried. And I'm like, that if we can do more of that, it's not about the reading. It's about her belief in that she can do anything she puts her mind to with with practice and, and, you know, that mindset piece. And I just think, Again, I, I kudos to you because I think you making that shift and you seeing the engagement and the participation increase, it's again, further evidence that this, this practice works. We just have to trust in ourselves to be that leader that can say, I'm going to lead by listening and I'm listening to my students lead the conversation. Yeah. And it's, it is really nice. I mean, a, a good, a big piece of that too is having, you know, ed tech tools because there is so much for them, you know, so they can take their own personalities and, you know, I give them a topic, like we were reading a book this week or in our curriculum about sled dogs. So I said, Hey, let's go on, you know, we have, um, it's called get Epic and it's a library online library with thousands of books. And I said, type in sled dogs and see what comes up. Look at what you're interested in. And I want you to read a book on sled dogs. And, and then we had this huge, they had post-it notes and they were, you know, learning these facts and they were putting up on, on the board. And, you know, so it was like, it was high interest. It was, they were learning really the things that were not just written there in the book for them to see, but they were able to go off on their own and really kind of find and investigate and dig and be curious. And that is, that's so helpful. You know, we didn't have that 10, 15 years ago. So that's a big piece of it. So I'm so thankful for all of these, you know, companies and organizations that are coming out with these really cool tools to help our kids. Um, and, you know, knowing how to use them too. You know, we don't, I don't want to overuse them. They're kind of a treat. They're not like, I say they're like desserts. <laughs> it's not the meat of the lesson, but it's, um, you know, it's the dessert. It's what we get to look forward to after we're kind of finished understanding what it is that I really want you to do. So, no, so that's been a big part of it too. I love it. I love it. Well, Jillian, you have shared so much advice already, but I, I'm guaranteeing you've got more amazing advice to share. So what is one piece of advice that you like to share with maybe it's educators, maybe, you know, in your PLN or just people you interact with, what's that kind of go-to advice that you, you would share? Oh, just one. Okay. Um, I would say that each day is a fresh opportunity to listen and to be slow to, to judge and criticize, quick to empathize, 
you know, it's so I'm such a creature who reacts and um, I've learned to slow down my reactions and be more responsive intentionally. So to not look back behind me, but to know that each day is a, is a new start. Um, being open and flexible to change, that's huge. My kids know that is our, our, our buzzword for the year is flexibility. So whenever we get overwhelmed or things don't go as planned, they always go flexibility, flexibility, and we all chant it together. And it's great because <laughs> we know that's something that's important um, and really ad advice for anyone. <laughs> um, also, let's see, um, I think that performance, a student's performance, my performance, anyone's performance, it does not equal worth or identity. Um, it, you know, may give you a little good feeling now and then, but it's not what we should rely on. And I just say, keep dancing, keep dancing and dreaming with joy because you've got it down there. Uh, see, I, I knew, I knew you had it in there. Oh my goodness. Amazing. <laughs> I love that all of these are, they don't, they don't involve things, right? They're not, I need to go get that material to do that. And, you know, people often ask me like, what strategy should I use? What, what should I get? What can I find? And I'm like, look within, like look within. That's the whole premise of, of define you because you have everything you need. Like, yes, we can, like you said, we can enhance with things. We can use things to open and expand opportunities for students to connect with content, to understand or showcase what they know. But, but when it comes down to truly being, you know, the, the educator that, that you want to be, it's already in there. We just have to have the courage to, to let it shine, the courage to open up who you are and be vulnerable to sharing that and, and you know, living that, that joyful, purposeful life instead of getting overcome by the overwhelm that naturally can come. It's, it's a part of, I don't even say it's part of teaching, it's part of life, right? The more we do, therefore means the more we, we, we get to do each day. And, but I also believe if we're not doing anything, that's boring. And I don't think anyone wants boring. And so I think it's just, it's resting and anchoring into who we are, which I think I love it. So thank you. And um, I, I cannot let you go though, without having you share about your new fun project. I don't even know if it's a project. Like I don't even know what to call it, but I'm so excited to have you share with the listeners all about it. Um. I call it my passion project. Um, it basically is a children's story that I wrote over the summer as we were quarantined. And it had been something that had been in my heart for a long time in my head. And I just finally just put it down on paper. Um, and I kept tweaking it here and there. I kept thinking about it. And it is based on a little girl who is really an imperfect, unique, young little lady. And she chooses to look for things that are imperfect and unusual. And she seeks joy in finding the things that uh, maybe nobody else would love or nobody else would collect. She collects seashells, the broken ones, the ones that, you know, people leave on the beach, <laughs> the one that, you know, people step on and, and walk right over. Um, but she collects them and it means something to her. Um, and it, it's a little bit of my story because I, you know, I love to collect seashells and I always looked for those ones that are broken, had little holes in them. 
um, because they are just reminders that we are not perfect. We are incredibly unique and we need to not focus on our imperfections, but I think just accept them, accept them and be joyful about them because they really define who we are. And once we can kind of move on past that, um, I think that, I don't know, it's just a great lesson, I think, for everyone. Um, but it was just a huge thing that just kind of came up all of a sudden. I decided just to send it in and somebody picked it up and I am now going to be busy for a few months. So, um, <laughs> but it's just one of those things that is, I don't know, I could just cry because it's one of those things that is in my heart. And now here it is. I share my story with everybody who's going to be hearing it. So, and so much support and encouragement already from people who I don't even know who are like, I can't wait to read it. I can't wait to, you know, see what else is coming. So, so yeah, thanks for, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. And I mean, I am right there with it. Like I cannot wait to get my copy. I cannot wait to read it. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so excited when that came out. I was I did, I did my own little happy dance for you. And I just, I love when, cause I just think it's such an important, you know, if I always say, if you have something on your heart, if you have something that you can't stop thinking about, it's there for a reason. And you don't have to know the how, you don't have to know what it's going to look like. You anchor into that why and that purpose and that passion. And it might take you, you know, a week, it might take three years. It doesn't matter. And that is a, that is a lesson I have to keep learning myself. I have to keep reminding myself. I don't have to do all the things in this year or this month or this week or this day that I get to experience each day and create magic by what I do, by what I accomplish, but also by being me. And, and I love that this is a part of you, that this is, you know, part of you is tied into it and that it's part of your story and that it's now going to, again, expand those opportunities for more people in the world to connect with Jillian, because to me, that is a no brainer. And I'm just so excited to see where it leads you. So with that, Jillian, I want to make sure people can stay connected to you. So what is the best place for people to connect with you at? Well, let's see, I spend most of my time on Twitter. So I am at Jill Dubois 22 on Twitter, uh, Instagram, Jillian D, just Jillian D E and Facebook. Jillian Dubois. Um, I also have a little blog website. It's impartedjoy.com. And that's really about it. Awesome. I will make sure to have all of that info in the show notes, of course, so people can connect with you. If you have not connected yet with Jillian, go do so. Um, and Jillian, I just want to take a second to thank you for coming on today. I've had a blast learning, you know, from you and with you. And I'm just so appreciative for your time this afternoon. Yeah, thanks. It was a lot of fun. And look, we got to spend time together one on one. <laughs> I love it. I know that's the best part of doing these. I'm like, yes, I can <laughs> after school today. Um, but it is, they, they truly, these episodes, especially when I do the share your story, they get me, they get me going because I get to learn and really connect further with educators. And again, I think it's just another example of how important relationships are, how important, even though we cannot, you know, again, you're in Florida, I'm in New York, like the, the, the opportunities right now to get together beyond COVID wouldn't do that, but we get to truly interact and connect. And so I think, again, back to if something is that important to you, there's a way to make it happen. And, but if we focus on the how and the what, 
They're going to trip us up every time. If we focus on why it's important, you're going to make it happen every single time. And so that is, um, that is what we will leave everyone with. Thank you, Jillian. Thank you, listeners. We will be back next week, same time, same place, with another brand new episode. So until then, have an amazing week ahead. And as always, we will talk soon.